in Facebook land and uh, YouTube who are joining us this morning. We just welcome everyone here, and I see two dear faces that I've been waiting to see for a while, uh, my, my friends over here, and get to know them after a service if you get the chance. Don't let them run out of here without you saying hi, okay? Huh? No running out, yeah. Yeah, we've got quite a day here in the spirit realm. Wow, today starts the whole season of Passover. Today's the first day. I'm telling you, when Cherie read that, Cherie, what translation was that out of? Yeah, get that passion translation for just for your devotionals. I mean, it is like heavenly, heavenly, heavenly. Psalm 45. Psalm 45, Passion Translation. So in case some of you want to reread that during this week. So we're kicking off Passover. It's a holy time. It's a holy season. It's one of God's appointed feasts. Uh, it's not just a Jewish feast. It's, it's God's feast, and he said to appear before him three times a year. And so we're all here this morning. Wherever we are, we're... We're standing before him, and he promises to keep his appointment with us. Amen? So there's no way, unless you just really put in your head about three feet under the ground or something, that you can't feel the presence of God this week. So I rejoice. So for those of you who might be joining us for the first time uh, or weren't here last week, we were really digging in to find out what life was really like. Um, with Jesus and his friends, the last the three and a half years of his ministry, we've really been following along. And we were talking about um, some of his nearest and dearest friends. We read about them more than anyone else besides the disciples in the Bible. And it's Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And last week we ended with, you know, they were really close friends. Remember? And remember, I just want to remind you, I want you to get a feeling for what we're talking about when it says he was going to Mary and Martha's house. They were prominent people in the village of Bethany. And um, we talked about last week that to give you a feel of how far away Bethany was from Jerusalem, it's just like out our driveway right down here to the co-op. It's about 1.7 miles to the city of Jerusalem. So they made that walk, you know, 30, 40 minutes, depending on, on if they were just walking slowly and talking with the disciples. I want to tell you about this week. We're going to be talking about the last week of Jesus' life. And that's where we come to. Uh, last week, it was about a week before, we talked about Jesus uh, raising Lazarus from the dead. We talked about him getting up close and personal and that he really wept and he was disturbed in his soul and troubled. Even though he knew what the outcome was, he was, remember, folks, Jesus was 100% man of faith. And he walked through those emotions. You know, the scriptures that tell us that he, he suffered every temptation that we've had, come on, he was tempted, yet without sin. Temptation doesn't mean, you know, it's when you act on the temptation, Right? So he was tempted. He really gets what we're like. He gets the idea that we have cray-cray days. You know? 
that we have bad days, good days. I mean, everybody, it talks and it shares. If you read between the lines and you read just some of the words and you linger there, it talks about when his soul was troubled. Come on. There's days that we are troubled. And there's days that we're you know, elated and rejoicing. Uh, like Lonnie has, is having a birthday week. <laughs> Just to throw that in, he's having a birthday week. Yeah, we, we gave up birthdays a long time ago. The older you get, you realize, you know, time's starting to dwindle. So you just want to spend a whole week on your birthday because, you know, you might not be having them anymore. I don't know. I just think it's a really good idea, and it's probably some heavy revelation. I don't know. Whatever you think. But I want us to go back, and I want us to think about Mary and Martha. And, you know, we talked last week that Martha gets a bum rap. Like, Martha was just like the A-type personality like me, and just busy working, working, working all the time. And Mary was just like, yeah, we, you know, we'll get it done. But I'm just going to sit here and just, I'm enthralled with Jesus, so I'm just going to be sitting really close to him and checking this out. You know, I will help you. But, you know, Martha gets a bum rap. I just want to say they both had their parts. They both had their, their distinct personalities. And they both doted on Jesus. You know, they both had their way of sharing affection and love. And so last week, last Sunday, and it was literally about a week ago in real time in the story that we're going to be talking about today in the scriptures, that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Now that brought a lot of attention. You know, that brought a lot of attention. I mean, imagine that. We, we, we went through all of that emotional story last week. And we know that some people believed because of it. You know, Mary and Martha were out there evangelizing, witnessing. They'd been telling all the stories about Jesus. And then these people actually see it because they were very popular. People had traveled all over. They knew Mary and, and Martha and Lazarus, you know, and, and uh, that she was the older sister and wa- watching over her, her sister Mary and her, her younger brother Lazarus, you know. And so they see him come out. This is the big story of the day. And nobody had cell phones or TVs to get the news down, or radios. You know, it was passed by word of mouth, on the road, traveling village to village. And so this, it was only down to the co-op. So this story had gotten to Jerusalem and to the priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And they were already disturbed, but now he has gone and risen somebody from the dead that had been in a cave for four days. Some of the people that loved Lazarus, they had been there. I mean, they'd been there four days. Like, this isn't going away. Like, this isn't, like, no. We we can't say that he was asleep in 24 hours and they just didn't feel the breath through his nostrils when they checked him out. No, he's dead, but he's raised again. So after that, things were going to be touchy for Jesus because they were looking for him to trap him, take him, and figure out how they were going to get a hold of him without causing a riot. Now it's Passover time. People are already coming in. During this week, people were arriving. How many remember that last week, literally, we had a a live lamb showed up in the middle of our service. 
For those of you who were not here, it literally happened. The next thing I'm preaching, I'm telling the story. We're hearing the lamb bleeding. And I'm like, is somebody doing that? Okay, that's really cool. But And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's two women coming in here, and they're holding a, it was a black sheep. And how profound that it was a black sheep. Because how many of you have ever felt like a black sheep in your family? Uh, yeah. The untouchable one. Yeah. Some of it was probably legit in my case, I'm just saying. But some of it after I knew Jesus was just because they didn't like him. So they didn't like me. And that's what Jesus said. Uh, don't think they're going to like you any better than they liked me. So we come to this week. He went up into, they, they kind of got out of town. They didn't hang out with Martha and Mary. It was too close to Jerusalem. So they kind of went up into, up north of Bethany, and they stayed in a town called Ephraim. And they hung out there for about a week, but then it was time to come back because it's getting close. And who's Jesus going to want to spend his last moments with, for the most part, his disciples and his, best fr- his besties? Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And they hung out there all week, just about. So they come back, and they're excited that Jesus is back because they're going to be celebrating a feast. They're excited. Mary and Martha, I mean, he raised their brother from the dead. I mean, they went through that whole thing. They're now recovered from everything and everything they were thinking bad (laughs) about Jesus. Like, why weren't you here? And all that's going on. And we come into our, our references will be um, John 12. Uh, and we come and they're preparing this wonderful meal. They're going to spend the night. They're going to stay up late. They're going to have fun. And so they're just having a good time. And in the midst of this meal, um, you know, they're going to honor Jesus for what he did. And, and so imagine, just see the scene. So remember, we talked last week that they had a big house. It was large. They had a big courtyard there. And they'd been busy at work getting ready for Passover. They're looking for all the leaven. They're trying to clean the house, clean the courtyard, and make sure everything is kosher for Passover. Because it would mean that their home was unclean, and they were unclean. Now, at the same time, all this is happening, I want to talk about what's happening in Jerusalem. Now, Pontius Pilate really didn't even like to stay in Jerusalem. He was the governor there, and so for the Romans. But he loved hanging out in, down in Caesarea. It's right on the ocean. It's beautiful. We've been there. Some of us have gone together, and we've walked there. Um, it's right where eventually Paul was standing in the stadium facing, you know, his accusers uh, shortly before he died and was crucified. But that's down the path. But anyway, Pontius Pilate is down there with his wife, but it's a feast, and they've got to come. And the last time was just six months ago he'd had to be there because Thousands and thousands and thousands of people come to these events. And he's got to be there just in case something's going wrong or somebody causes a riot. Okay? Uh, You know, 
They try to snuff out the ones, the rebellious ones, the zealots. But he's got to be there. So he comes, and his place in Jerusalem was uh, kind of one of Herod's palace-like little room, uh, houses there. I, I, it wasn't particularly little. It, it was pretty nice. But he's there, and he really doesn't give, he doesn't care what they're doing. He just wants it to be over with, get the crowds leaving town, and he can get back to the ocean, okay, and chill where he lived down in Caesarea. So what's happening is he gets up. You know, he, he, does, he doesn't do Jewish traditions. He shaves. He's clean-shaven every day. That's what the Romans were clean-shaven. They don't grow the beards. They don't do all that weird stuff. And he's not into any of their traditions. In fact, he isn't sweeping out any leaven out of the palace. Nothing's happening there. So the priests know that where he lives is unclean. And they've got to be clean for this week of Passover. And I just wanted you to get a feel for what's going on. That's his attitude. You know, he just wants to keep peace and keep his job and not get in trouble with the emperor. Amen? So we come in, and now Jesus, have they come in from Ephraim, and they're now at Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house. And they're doting on him, and Mary is so excited to see him, and they're just having a good time, and the disciples are over here hanging out at the table, and they're all talking. And Martha has been busy doing things. Mary's helped her along, but eventually things, you know, Martha's still serving and checking out what else do I need to pick up. But things are calming down, and so Mary is over here, and she's just been quiet all night. She's been quiet while everyone else has been talking. She goes into her little corner of the room and she pulls out this alabaster box or container or vial as the different uh, gospels call it. And she just slips over to Jesus and he's sitting there. The others are all talking. They're excited. They're tired, too, from the journey. They're really looking forward to just sleeping. And she walks over, and she breaks that seal on that, and she pours it over Jesus' head. The reference from this story is in John 12, 1 through 6. You can look it up if you're taking notes. She pours it over his head. Now, listen, this stuff is called nard. I don't know what that smells like, but all I know is what they say about it. It was one of the most expensive, uh, they call it ointment or an oil, a fragrance, a perfume. They used it on bodies before burial because it was so strong. And because it was so intense and a little bit, a little dabble, do ya? Um, you know, this was in value of almost an entire year's wages. So think about how much you, you make. This is happening today. Now, some people make a lot more, but, you know, I don't know what the average was for the day then. But say somebody that makes, you know, 100 grand. That's expensive. What about somebody that makes 50 grand? What if you make 20? I don't know what you make, but whatever it is for a year wages that you worked for, that's a lot. That's a lot of value. 
And they know immediately something's happened because this fragrance is going through the air. And it's filling up the whole place. And it's coming out the windows. Even if somewhere in the courtyard, they would have smelt it. They would have smelt it. And imagine this action of love. Her passionate heart. I'm loving this. And so she pours it over his head, and then she sits at his feet. Now remember, last week we talked about Mary was always at his feet. She always wound up at his feet. She was at his feet when he, she, Martha was trying to get her to help him. She was at his feet. We know that after Lazarus died, what is the first thing she does? She runs out. She's crying. If you'd been here, and she just falls in front of him at his feet. She was a foot person. She loved to be at Jesus' feet. And here we see, again, she's at his feet. We read this in almost every instance of when they're together. And she's at his feet, and she starts pouring it from his head to his toes. And, of course, they'd come in. It was tradition. They were, they've already washed their feet. They've eaten. They've washed their hands. But she now takes this ointment, and she rubs it on his feet, and then she dries his feet with her hair. I want you to think about this. This kind of ointment was so strong. It was in his clothes. It was in his, his, his hair. Now it's the same fragrance is mingled in her hair. She dried his feet with her hair. That strong odor. Now some of you know about strong perfumes. They linger. If somebody goes by, there's a breeze. Somebody smells, ooh, you know. Uh, sometimes I, I put it on all the time. I don't notice it anymore. And some of you say, ooh, what is, that, what is that fragrance you're wearing, you know? Even sometimes in the store, men will come up and say, what are you wearing? I want to buy it for my wife or something like that, you know? And uh, so this, is, this thing is like doubly. This is like real perfume. This isn't like cologne or toilet water. Toilet, okay. <laughs> so... Uh, this is happening, and imagine, they weren't going to wash their clothes. They didn't wash their clothes. They didn't have clothes to wash. I mean, they maybe had one change of clothes if they were lucky. You know what I'm saying? If they washed them, they had to take them off and let them dry or put them back on damp because most people didn't have a bunch of clothes, clothes to wear. So even if they had washed this, that smell would have stayed. That smell was in Jesus' hair. That smell was in Jesus' clothes his clothing, it was on his feet, and it was probably there, even if he bathed, it was going to linger in his pores for the entire week. Okay? I just want you to think about that. This is what was happening. She gave him everything she had. We know that they were wealthy. We don't know if it was part of the dowry that her dad had left. We know that they, he was, her parents were no longer in the picture. They were in their father's home, uh, surviving. And she anoints his feet. And, you know, this time when she falls at his feet, she, she knows he's king because she'd been listening to what he'd been saying whenever they were there. 
She knew what was coming, even though the disciples themselves wanted to ignore the fact of what Jesus was saying is that he's going to die and he's going to raise again. And this just was not the scenario that they were looking for. They were looking for the king to come and set them free from the Romans and to start the kingdom now, and they would no longer be under that oppression. And he'd judge them and he'd you know, destroy the enemy. Rome was certainly their enemy at that time. Wow. Her love was then criticized. We know that Judas himself started criticizing her. And he said, and, and the disciples were just kind of leaning into that criticism too. But Judas was the spokesperson. And he's saying, like, what the heck? Let me paraphrase it in today's. What the heck are you wasting that for? And you see so many poor out here. We could have sold that, and we could have helped the poor. But the Word of God tells us that Judas really wasn't so interested in selling it and feeding the poor because he carried the money back. And, and the Word tells us that he pilfered it. He would take a little money for himself. You know, and nobody, I thought nobody knew. So he's thinking, yeah, there'd be a lot extra for me. Yeah, a lot extra for me. And he's declaring, and, and uh, I just want to read now uh, some of these scriptures. So I want to go, um, let's see where I want to go. So it was six days before the Passover, and they came to Bethany, and they had supper there. And in verse 3, Mary therefore took a pound of very costly perfume, of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And then we go, that's in John 12, and I want to go to Mark where um, 6 through 9, I want to read to you what Jesus said. I used both Gospels because they, they witnessed and they wrote the story a little different just because of their perspective. Everybody has their own perspective. And I want to read what Mark said and how he told it. So now, Jesus, here's the criticism. He's the one that's been drenched, and this is what he says. Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you bother her? She has done a good deed to me. For the poor you always have with you. And whenever you wish, you can do something good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body for burial beforehand. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, that also which this woman has done shall be spoken of in memory of her. And it's over 2,000 years right now, and we're talking about it. We're talking about it. It's a memorial. You know, memorials have come and gone through the ages, right? They're tearing down memorials right now in America because they've decided we're done with that. But nobody's going to tear down this memorial. 
It will survive in your hearts and mine if we know the story. And we will remember that there is nothing too great that we can't lavish on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I love that scripture. That lavishness, the passion of love. If you were in love with him, there's nothing you won't give. There's nothing you won't part with. There's nothing you won't do. There's nothing you won't do to bless him. Nothing too great and nothing too small. It's a memorial, and it's never going to pass away. And it's not going to go away. So Mary, her love and her unselfish, her unselfishness and her goodness, and, her, and she's a passionate servant, and she's become immortal. Uh, I wrote something down. It says, selfishness seeks a gift. Right? But love loves to give. If you love someone or you love something, you want to give to it. Love gives itself away. Love loves to live. Amen? So... Mary gave the limit. Uh, There was no limit. She gave everything that she had. You know, the limit of her love was everything. And um, so, you know, I just, just a quick thought. What's he going to say to you when we face him face to face? And we all will. We all will. Uh, don't deceive yourselves. You know, we talked about lying here a few weeks ago. We talked about how much we lie to ourselves. And all through this week, the disciples were lying to themselves about what the circumstances were going to be. You know, they were lying to themselves about a lot of things in this last seven days of the week before Jesus' death. But we got to think about it. Now is the time to intentionally pursue him with all of our hearts. I mean, if we can't figure out what's going on, you know, this is a crazy world that was going down in Jesus' time. And this is it. We're living in the same craziness. And it just is getting crazier by the day. Amen? And if this world doesn't need a savior at this point, you know, there will be those, just like in his day, they'll be going along. And they just still think that they can handle it themselves. And they don't need Jesus. So I want to get on. So now, that was Saturday in the, in the week. So, so let's pretend that just happened last night. Today's Sunday. It was a Sunday. The next event happened. Anybody know what the next event was? You sang Hosanna till your hearts were. <laughs> you sang Hosanna till you couldn't sing Hosanna anymore today. And that's what was happening it, the next day. They'd spent the night at Mary and Lazarus' house. They got up the next morning. Jerusalem's just down the street here. They fixed some breakfast. And Jesus says, well, we haven't been to Jerusalem. Now we're going. They come into Bethany the back way. They hadn't come through Jerusalem. But again, I got to tell you what this sounds like. It's like the city that's not sleeping because... 
Caiaphas is up there in his house. He's shaving for the morning, eating his big breakfast. And he's probably got some pork that he's eating, you know, some big, thick basic bacon slices because <laughs> he's out of Jew, and he's going to eat what he wants. And he's going to eat lots of bread, leavened bread, fluffy, fresh, baked bread. And so this morning, you know, they're having breakfast at Mary and Martha's house, and they're getting ready to go into Jerusalem. Is this a big day? Jesus has been waiting for this day. He knows what's coming. It's the, the day coming in. And they have breakfast, and they're coming in. And let's read. Let's read from uh, John 12, uh, verses 12 through 15. So on the next day, the great multitude who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, took the branches of the palm trees, and they went out to meet him, and they began to cry out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written. It's, we don't see any donkeys, but I, nothing, anything can happen today. Okay. Uh, and Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it. And quoted here by John, so that we remember, it was written in the, in the Torah, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. They knew that Zechariah had prophesied this. This was a sign of the Messiah. This was a sign of the of the Christ. And he sent them ahead to go get the donkey. And and he, you know, he went over and uh, they had this. Now they went up to Bethpage to get this donkey. So they had to travel in. They kind of went around. They went up the hill around, and they were up high overlooking Jerusalem. Now, Jesus has the donkey, and he's going to come through Bethpage, and we walked it when we were there. He, he walked through, they're walking along, and he's on a colt, so it's small. It's not a huge donkey. It's a colt, and it's carrying the weight of a man. So it's already precarious, that, but he's on a colt versus a donkey. And so... They go up, and they go up at the top overlooking the city. And while they're there, before he makes his descent, and people are gathering because they hear, somebody saw Jesus. Yeah, we saw him. We saw him walking earlier. I think he's going to be here. Words traveling, word of mouth. All the sheep are going, bah, bah, bah. Up on the hills are tents where people have come in from all over the region. They're camping out for the whole week. Not everybody can afford a place to stay in the, in the town. So you look up the hills that are typically barren during the rest of the time when these feasts are not occurring, and these are where they're at. They're all making camp. So you smell campfires. These are the smells you're smelling. I just want you to get there, and I want you to feel it. I just don't want you to read your Bible, and it's just some stinking story that you've read before. It lives, and it lives for us today, because these are real people. They're just like us, and every one of us has our own Passover story. Every one of us has a Passover story where Jesus Christ, we received him into our hearts as our Lord and Savior, and we said, yes, Lord, I believe, and he became our Passover lamb. Every one of us that knows Christ has had this experience. And it lives in us. It lives in our hearts and in our minds and our souls. 
And it lives there on a day where it's rough. And it lives there on a day that it's tough. And, it's, and it lives there on a day that it's not, there's no justice. This is what they had to lay hold of. This is still what we lay hold of every day as disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I don't care what anybody says. Say what you want. But I know the truth. And I know he lives. Amen? Sorry, I didn't mean to preach at you. But anyway, so they're here and they're going in. And he's up there on the hill now. He's coming down. You know, people are camping. They're seeing this. They know where he's going. So he gets up there and he's like, this is it. This is the big week. This is it. I've got so much to do. I've got so much more to tell them. I've got so many more things to say. This is it. But this is my day, and this is one of the better days that I'm going to have during this next week. And he starts making the descent. And if any of you have ever been to Israel and you go up to the top, the top of the Mount of Olives, there's a road that goes down there. It's a centuries-old road. Um, it was there during Roman times, and it's the same road that Jesus took. And he's on this little colt, and I would imagine that his legs were almost touching the ground, right? Because it's a colt. And, you know, donkeys aren't that big anyway. So he's on the back of this colt, and they're taking it easy because that road is so steep that even we, as we walked down it, it was hard, wasn't it? And by the time we got to the bottom, our legs were doing all sorts of things they're not used to doing because we were going down on our feet, and we're trying to balance ourselves, and we've got people trying to sell us um, Holy Land scarves on the way. Come on. There were people selling their wares in that day. They were there to make some money during the fees to help pay for their journeys. You know, if they had some things to sell, some cloth, mantles, clothing, whatever. And he's making his descent, and as they do, but before they do, he looks over and he starts weeping. Remember? He starts weeping over Jerusalem, and he's like, if you'd only known the day of your visitation. Can we say that to us? There's times God has tried to visit us. We just were ignorant of it. I know when I got saved, I then could understand all these other times that he was, he was after me. He was visiting with me. He was doing things and da-da-da-da. And I just wasn't getting it. I wasn't getting it. And he's weeping. If they'd only known, if you'd only known the day of your visitation. And they start making their descent. And as they do, people are lined up all the way. They walk down the steep hill, and then there's something called the Kidron Valley. It's the valley, the steep hill. So here's Mount of Olives back here, and uh, the Garden of Gethsemane is kind of down at the base of the, of the Mount of Olives, okay? And when you get down to the main road, you have to cross the Kidron Valley. It's not really that far. I don't know how many yards it is, but it's not even, I don't even know. It might be a half a mile across, and it led to the Golden Gate the central gate, the one that's now closed. Uh, because when, uh, when the Ottomans and the Muslims took over the city many years later, they shut off the gate and they buried their dead there. 
uh, so the Jews would consider that gate unclean and no one would ever enter that gate again. But on this day it was open and Jesus and the disciples, as they go through a tunnel of thousands of people with these olive they, with these with these palm branches and they had olive branches too because those were those were going and they've got olive branches and wherever they could get some vegetation and they're all going and they're they're throwing their cloaks down and and garments and they're making a way for Jesus to process and go through and they're doing and they're waving all these hosanna 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 in the highest, son of David. Son of David was a term that could only be used for the Christ, for the Messiah. And now the priests are there, and they're in the midst of the average people. Jesus is just dressed like an average Joe, just like you would be dressed. But the priests are there with all their finest regalia. They were there in the purple robes, the blues, and the reds, and they were colorful. Why? Because they wanted to stand out. They wanted you to notice them. But Jesus was blending in with the crowd. Yet they're screaming and they're hollering, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And this continues and continues on. And this goes, it takes a while. That's going to take, going through a throng like that, I imagine it probably took at least an hour, maybe more, to get across and go through the Golden Gate into the Temple Mount where the temple was. Hosanna, Hosanna, what a day, what a day. He hung out, they dismounted the colt, they hung out a while, he taught in the temple, it started to get late afternoon, and guess where they were going? They weren't going to a tent that day, they were headed back to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house, and they were excited to have him. Mary and Martha, I'm sure, followed in, but they had to leave earlier to go and start planning the meal, and getting the meal together, getting the water drawn, getting everything done for that night. Well, that's Sunday. That would be like today. So what would we be doing tomorrow if we were with Jesus? Anybody know? Our normal day. There you go. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, whatever. Whatever you do to deal with life, right? I love that. Appointments. Well, their appointment was to be at this feast that week. So people are still arriving into Jerusalem, the lagging behind. But the next Monday, uh, which is the next morning, they have breakfast again, and they, have, they go back to the temple. Now, Jesus is telling them all sorts of things that are going on there. Um, he's back there, and there's still some hoopdala going. The children were there yesterday. They watched him come in. They saw their adult parents, the chatter at the campfires all night long. Did you see it? Did he touch you? Oh, you're sick? Let's see. If he shows up tomorrow, let's see if he'll heal you. He's raised the dead. He, he, the blind man, see. There isn't anything this guy can't do. Let's get down there. Let's be the first. Let's watch. Keep an eye out. Send the kids down there. They can, somebody can report back. And so when he goes into the temple the next day, 
there are some children again singing Hosanna, Hosanna, and they're they're saying, you know, Son of David, and the and the priests are really riled up now because this thing is lingering, and they go, don't you hear them? Do you hear what these kids are saying about you? And Jesus basically says, yeah, I do. Out of the out of the mouths of babes, God has ordained praise to come out. And that's just frying them. They're getting mad. They're getting hot. And they are just like, they can't control them. What are they going to do? He spends the day there, and he's telling uh, many of the parables and things. And um, so they go back, they spend the day, and they go back to Mary and Martha's that night. Go back for dinner, and they're hanging out. It's been a lot, but he's been talking to the disciples along the way. Not only was he telling more parables, but he's talking to them. And now it's Tuesday night. or uh, I'm sorry, now it's Monday night, and they're back there. They get up Tuesday morning, and they head back to Jerusalem. But they're early in the morning now. He's got a lot to do because time is running out. And they go back, and on the way, there's a fig tree there. But it's not the season of figs because the figs don't really, there's no fruit on a fig tree until around July, August. That's when they start to bear fruit. But he goes up to this fruit, (laughs) this fig tree, uh, as if he's looking for fruit, and the di- disciples are not understanding. He gets really upset, and he just says, there's no fruit on this tree, and he curses the tree, and never more will you grow, and there will never be any more fruit from you. And this is a type and shadow, and he's talking about the fruitlessness of the powers that be, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. There's no fruit of the Spirit in their lives at all, In fact, it's death. And he's already told them that they serve their father, the devil. Amen? So this is what he's doing, but they haven't quite figured that out yet. They they don't know the type and shadow there. They just think he's gone off on this fig tree. So they go in, and, um, and, and then... Um, that's Tuesday, and the priests are washing. Again, they're all dressed up, and he enters the temple to teach today. He's really got a lot. He starts telling the parables of the landowner. If, if in our Bible this was just progressive, we don't have any of the Gospels that tell us exactly which order everything went. But John, in his Gospel about that last week, he tells a lot of the parables if you have to piece them together. And that's why I've decided to tell you how it went to give you a little step ahead if you're trying to figure out the story when you're reading the Bible and how it went. Amen? Are you happy I did that for you? Okay, I hope so. So he goes in, and um, he's, you know, he's teaching about the wealthy landowner wealthy landowner, and then he's teaching them the parable about the ten virgins. That's when Jesus returns, and there's ten virgins. You guys remember that story? Ten of them, they have ten lamps, but five of them, 50% of them don't have any oil in their lamp. That oil represents the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
And then he ends the story about somebody not being dressed right and they're thrown out of the feast, the wedding feast that Cherie was talking about earlier this morning. And so the favors are kind of getting it like they weren't dressed right. But see, they're all, he made that, he said they weren't dressed right. But here, they're, they're wearing their finest. But they know it's a barb towards them that they're still not wearing the right clothes. So they get thrown out of that feast. So he's telling all these parables, and this, and the disciples are like, "Whoa, we're just, we've got, we're on overload. We can't eat any more of these parables. We we can't digest all this. This is like way too much. We're on overload. What the heck is happening this week?" And so, during this time, just before they go home, the Pharisees try to trap him. They're trying to figure out how can they get rid of him. They can't arrest him at Mary and Martha's because then they'd have to march him in town you know, two miles down the road, and people are going to see this. And they're going to be upset. It could cause a riot. They can't do that. They have too many things to oversee. They're overseeing. Caiaphas is like, got to pull this Passover off smoothly. He can't have any riots. He's got to maintain his place. If things break out of control, he's going to lose his seat as high priest, and somebody else will he'll be living the high life. And it won't be him. So they're trying to figure out, how can we get a hold of Jesus? How we can arrest him? But they had laws. They were supposed to try him in court during the day. It was supposed to be in daylight. But we know they had to find another way in secret and to even break their law in order to do it. So they try to trick him, and they go, well, I don't know, Jesus. What do you say? What is, what is your opinion? And we're all thinking this, too, because... Taxes are due April 15th, right? I know they've extended them a little bit, but typically in the next couple of weeks, you're going to have to pay your taxes. And if you owe any money, you know, most of you hope or hope for a return on your taxes, but they come up to Jesus and they say, well, what is your opinion? Should, you know, God's people be paying taxes to Caesar? Should we be paying these taxes? And they were trying to trick him up on the law. They were hoping he'd say no. Because that's what they felt. They felt they didn't owe any taxes. And as soon as the real Messiah showed up, they wouldn't be paying him anymore. Because that government would be overthrown. But Jesus comes through again and he says, well, my opinion is this. Give Caesar, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And give to God what is God's. Well, he just slipped out of that one, and they're still left. What are we going to do? They go up to the Mount of Olives before they, that afternoon, before, you know, when it's hot during the day. They go up there under the shade of the trees, and Jesus begins to teach them again, and he starts telling them what's going to really be happening. We're getting down to it. We're getting down to it. And Wednesday comes along. They, they eventually go back to Mary and Martha's. But Wednesday, um, Wednesday comes along, and Judas is thinking, after they're talking the Mount of Olives, that he really didn't sign up for betrayal, persecution, execution. He, he wasn't signing up for that. But Jesus had told them, they're, this is what they're going to do to you. They'll take you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to kill you too. And he's like, I really didn't sign up for this. I'm talking Messiah comes. We get set free. 
I'm going to be one of the big dudes because I'm one of the disciples closest to him with this other group. You know, we're going to be living the high roller life. So after that talk, he's like, okay, I'm going to force his hand. He still hasn't come out and told the people publicly that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, that he is the son of God. He hasn't done it. And he's like, he goes in, he's like, we've got to do it. This is, the, this is Passover. If we're ever going to do anything, now's the time. He goes in to the priest, he sneaks away, and we know that that Wednesday, he had already talked to the priests and made a deal with them to tell them where Jesus was so they could come at a quiet time, at a time that would not be daylight, that most people would not be expecting anything, and they could arrest him. And so Jesus, uh, Judas agrees with it for 30 pieces of silver. So just think of the clanking sound with every coin that went in his purse every time the next silver coin went in. He was probably feeling pretty good. 30 coins of silver. While he was off doing that, Jesus and the disciples stayed at Mary and Martha's. Later that afternoon, Jesus sent John and Peter ahead and said, go in, look for a place that we're going to prepare and eat the supper. We're going to eat the Passover meal tomorrow night. Go in and rent this place. It was a large upper room. When we were in Israel, we got to go there. And it's quite amazing. In fact, it's the place that the 120, when, the, when Pentecost came, were all gathered in. So it is quite a large room. Uh, bigger than you see in any of these movies that where they're all cramped. It would fit 120 people and not cramped. I mean, it was a large room. And they'd gone ahead to do that. Jesus was going to rest up because he knew what was coming. And he probably had to get in his mind and his thinking everything else, the last things he had to tell them about what was going to happen. We come to Thursday. We come to Thursday. Judas comes back for the evening meal at Mary and Martha's. But Thursday, they're going back in. Jesus lingers at Mary and Martha's. So this is, this is what your week would be. What would you be doing Thursday? You'd be getting up at Mary and Martha's and you'd be going, when are we going in? And Jesus is like, not right now. We're going to eat breakfast first. John and Peter are assembling the meal. We're, we're going to go over. We're going to go later in a little while. But he had so much to share with them. That Thursday was cram-packed. Cram-packed. Everybody was on edge. Stuff was happening. I don't even know. If I was working with my, with my closest 12 people that were in my life every day, and I was walking along the road, and they were saying and doing some of the stuff that they were doing. I mean, they're on their way in, and they're already talking about who is the greatest among them, who has got the most clout, who's going to be leading. You know, if this really is happening with Jesus, who's going to be leading? Who's, who's the greatest leader here? They're starting to argue. They're starting to argue. Imagine Jesus overhearing those conversations as they're 
walking in with the pressure he's under right now. This is where I end at Thursday. Okay? This, this is where I'm ending. I'm not going to take us all the way to the cross. But I'm, I'm ending and closing here at the Last Supper. They're going in. And really, this is going to be his last meal with them. This is it. He's not going back to Mary and Martha's. He knows when he leaves there that day, he's not going back. They might not know that, but his heart is aching. It's just like when I have my family up or somebody close to me and they're leaving, or I'm going to visit them and I have to leave. I don't like that feeling. And you know how the day before, it just kind of haunts you. This is my last day, and it kind of ruins the day, your last day of a vacation or something like that. You know, you get those emotional feelings, and you know that he had them. And then they've been talking about all the stuff. We're talking pain, and he knows what's coming. And they're seeing people crucified along the road. This is common. It's nobody wants to be dealing with that. They kill me another way. Not that way. So late afternoon, they head for Jerusalem for that final meal. So they're in there, and they're all, you know, whatever. And they're talking about who's the greatest, and so on and so forth. And Jesus just goes over, and he slips off his outer garment, and he grabs the basin because nobody's feet are washed. They're even ignoring that right. They're supposed to do that as they come in the door. But nobody's done it because they've got a lot more in their minds. And they're still arguing with each other. And he starts to wash their feet. And he bows down. And he washes their feet in the basin. And he goes from one to one. And eventually he gets to Peter. And Peter's kind of like, whoa, what are you doing? Like, you're washing my feet too? No, no, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part with me. And then Peter's like, whoa, he's, he's really strong in what he's saying, the inflection. I mean, it was like deadpan. And he said, okay, well then, I'll wash my, wash my hands, wash my feet, wash my head, wash all of me, basically. I want to be with you. I never want to leave you. And they're sensing the foreboding and the seriousness of Jesus at that moment. He's trying to tell them, here you are acting who's the greatest, and I'm here showing you and demonstrating you, to you that the greatest, the greatest amongst you is the what? The servant of all. You want to be great? Well, sign up for being servant of all. Because that's what... That's what your life is going to be filled with, serving, serving everyone. Well, they start eating the meal, or they start hanging around. Before they eat, the meal's prepared. He's finally sitting with them. That's all done. And he says, uh, one of you is going to be betray me tonight. And they're like, well, things couldn't be worse. One of us, they're like, what? One of us is going to betray you? Who? Not I. Like, none of us. Not any of us. 
Like, what are you talking about? But they'd been so preoccupied, they hadn't really had their eye on Judas. You know, he probably made up a good lie and an excuse of where he had to go or what he had to do or check something out in town while he was off to see the priests and sell Jesus out. And then, you know, they're spread out in this room, so he does tell Judas, uh, go do what you need to do. And Judas gets up and leaves, but the disciples really didn't even get that. They didn't know if he was going to go buy something else, some other food, or do something that, that Jesus had sent him on an errand or something. And they saw he had a few words, but they weren't sure. What, what's going on down there? And Judas leaves. Because now he knows where they're going later. They're going to be going up to the Mount of Olives later after dinner. Late tonight. They're not going back to Mary and Martha's. They're just going to be camping out up there. So... <clears throat> We're going to do things a little differently today. I'm going to have someone read what happens next. We're all going to take communion, just like they did. Jesus was about to establish the Lord's Supper. There was unleavened bread on the table. There was wine. It was poured. It was in the cup. They were all going to drink from the same cup. This is powerful because later, hours later, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Whoa, with the weight of the sin of the world coming on his shoulders. And he is, yes, if you guys would bring that over and get it prepared, it would be nice. And he is asking them to pray, and they can't pray, and all of that is going on. I don't want to get, but this is where we're headed. And he's talking about, Father, if this cup can pass from me. But the truth is, they all passed the cup at this meal. And they drank from it, the same cup he drank from. And he was about to fulfill so we're going to read those scriptures as we take communion today. And then after we take communion, um, I just want to say that this Friday, for any of you who want to come, it's going to be awesome. We're live streaming um, Sight and Sounds um, play. It'll be live streamed from Branson, Missouri, uh, live while they're doing it. We'll all be watching it together. And any of you <coughs> that can't join us or be here for that, you can go online and uh, search for it, and you could watch it right in your own home if you want. Um, you can get an app, the Sight and Sound app. You can do all that, and you can also do that from your home. But we're going to be here together. I'm excited. We're going to be here. And it tells the entire story of Jesus' life all the way to the end. So the part that I'm not discussing here today, you will get to see live um, Friday. And that starts at 7 p.m. sharp this Friday, this coming Friday. So the disciples are in that room. Lots is going on. Judas has just left. And we're coming to 
we're coming to which scriptures do I want to use here? Let's see. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? We're going to go to Luke 22. Who's this Bible? This is my newer one, so it's not so many. But <laughs> we're going to go to Luke 22, and we're going to read verses... Um, uh, 14 through 18, uh, through 20, okay? And I'm going to let you do that, and I'm going to get this out of, I'm just going to come over here with this, and then people can start coming up. Communion, where is the communion? Is Ben, uh, okay. So we're going to come up as we always do. Just a minute, I'm going to let him read it. I love it. I love it. I mean, that says something. First-time visitor comes up to read. That's what I'm talking about. Come on. Come on let's jump in here. We're not scared. This is Desi. Come on. We're not afraid of anything. Nobody else is jumping up, but yeah. I had to. Yeah. Come on. I'm glad you did. Good morning. And when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it amongst yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on Till the kingdom comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood.